Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, good morning. Welcome to our fall kickoff. For those of you on our Vallejo campus, welcome. Glad you're with us today. Um, I want to kind of start this whole series. It's a brand new series we're starting today, calling A Life with a Purpose. And um, I'm going to kind of ask you a question to start with. And, And the basic question is this. If I were to ask you today, what do you do? Probably everybody in this room would be able to give an answer to that. Maybe you're a a realtor and you would say, I'm a realtor. I sell homes. Um, Or maybe a teacher. I teach sixth grade English. I'm a teacher for middle schoolers. Um, Or maybe maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you're raising three kids under five and your answer would be, I'm just trying to figure it out. (laughs) I uh, came across this number of years ago. Tony Campolo uh, is professor of sociology at Eastern College. And, uh, and he writes about an experience of his. He says, I was once at a very sophisticated academic gathering at the University of Pennsylvania. I didn't want to be there. I felt uncomfortable with the kinds of conversation that was going on. A woman colleague who taught sociology struck up a conversation with my wife and me. And at one point, she turned to my wife and asked in a condescending fashion, and what is it that you do, my dear? My wife, who is one of the most articulate people I know, shot back. I am socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of a social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. (laughs) Then my wife asked politely and sweetly, and what is it that you do, my dear? What do you do? Second question I want to ask you is, how do you do it? Because most of us could probably with a little bit of thought, give an answer to that one. Well, I'm a realtor, and so I meet with clients. I list homes. I sit at open homes. Um, I show property to people. I figure out their budget. I try to match them up with the home so that they can buy a home for themselves. The middle school teacher might say, well, I, I develop lesson plans and I create a learning environment and sometimes I give lectures and I, and, I, and I give tests and I send homework and I grade papers and that's how I do it. And maybe the mother of three under five years old would say, every day is an adventure. <laughs> just just going to take it day at a time. Third question I want to ask you, which is probably the most important one, is why do you do what you do, do, what you do, do. Um, picked up a book not too long ago, but authored by the name of Simon Sinek. And it, actually, the title of the book is Start With Why. And his premise is this, that most people can tell you what they do, and most people can probably tell you how they do it. But very few people take the time to think about why do I do what I do? Not just in your career or your job or your schooling, but, but in life. Why do you do what you do? And that's the important question because that has to go with purpose and and meaning and fulfillment. And so many people go through life kind of on accident. Life happens to them and they just kind of take it as it comes. But I believe that every one of us wants to live lives of significance. That we want to leave this world having made an impression somewhere, somehow. To leave this place a little bit better than when we came into it. And that is the why question. That is the purpose question. And and the bigger question, the ultimate why question, is why did God place you on this earth? Why did God place me on this earth? Because that's the ultimate why. 
And I think we are all on a journey to find that why. Some of you may have already figured it out. Some of you maybe answered that question a long time ago, but you've kind of forgot the why and you've gotten into the how and the what and you've lost your passion for it. Some of you have never considered this at all. Some of you have had a change in your life situation and now it's like, okay, so what do I do now? Why do I continue to live now? I think it's a very, very important question. So for the next five weeks, because this is a journey, I hope to be a guide for you to help discover your why, to discover your purpose. Why did God put you on this earth? And that's what we're going to look at for the next five weeks. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just about me giving a talk every Sunday. I'm going to really encourage you, if you are not yet a part of a community group, to get into a community group. Because you don't discover your why. You don't discover your purpose in a vacuum. It happens in community. It happens with people that you do life with, and they help you discover that why. And so if you're not in a community group, I would encourage you at least for the next five weeks to go out in the lobby, sign up, get into a community group, and be a part of that exploration, and let other people explore along with you, because that's what we do in our community groups. We take the message from Sunday, and we go a little bit deeper in how it affects our lives. So I encourage you, don't miss a week in the next five weeks um, and, and get into a community group and that's where you'll get the maximum benefit of because we as a church, we are committed to support people in discovering their purpose, really. We want to help people become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ because I believe and we actually believe as a church that your best life is becoming a follower of Jesus because he knows you and he made you and he's got your life plan for you. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. We really do believe that your best life is a life lived in relationship with God. And even if you are not a Christ follower, the things that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks, I think we will find helpful even for your own life. I love the way Andy Stanley puts it. He said, following Jesus just makes life better and it makes you better at life. So today, we're going to start this becoming a better person, which is really about becoming the person that God intended you to be. And we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. And let me give you a little bit of background here. Um, The the books, most of the books of our New Testament are actually letters written by the Apostle Paul to churches in different cities. And this letter is, the book of Romans is really a letter of Paul to a group of believers in the city of Rome. And the first 11 chapters or so of this book He has been laying out what God's design and what God's purpose is and what God has been doing since creation up till now. And then in chapter 12, he says, now this is what you do about it. This is your part in it. So Romans 12, beginning in verse 1, it's probably well known to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. In four sentences... Paul gives some incredible insight into finding God's purpose for your life. He calls it God's will for your life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. And that's what a life of purpose is all about. And 
And all of these things that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks really go to the core values of who we are as a church because we believe that as a church, that's part of our calling. And today we're going to talk about your audience of one. Who is it that you live your life to please? Because Paul says the very first thing when it comes to finding God's purpose for your life, for discovering your life purpose is it has to start with God. It all starts with God. Now, that's not where most life coaches start. That's not where most self-help books or self-improvement books start. Usually, those books and those coaches start with, what are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your passions? What are your experiences? And you kind of take all of those things, and that's how you kind of find your life purpose. Paul says, no, 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 you're getting ahead of yourself. Before you go there, you got to start with God. He says, I, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, there's a lot there. So let me kind of unpack it a little bit for you. First off, he says, therefore, I urge you, which means I can't make you do this. This is going to be your choice. I can teach you, I can guide you, I can urge you, but you're the one that's going to have to make that decision. And it's not going to happen by accident. It doesn't happen by chance. A life of purpose is a choice. Now, the good news is you get to choose that. You can choose to live your life with purpose. And so he says, I urge you to make that choice. Now, in view of God's mercy, he says, now to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, that needs a little unpacking too, because Back in Paul's day, in ancient times, and actually to a great degree, even today, we have this tendency to separate the sacred from the secular, uh, to separate the spiritual from the physical, particularly in Paul's day, and it was everything about the spirit, that's what counted, and the flesh, the body, the physical, that counts for nothing. But Paul says, no, 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 God isn't just interested in your spiritual life, he's interested in your whole life. So when he says, offer your bodies, he's talking about your whole life. Message paraphrase puts it this way. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. In other words, and this is one of our core values, we believe that worship is a lifestyle. It's not something you do for an hour one day a week. It's actually how you live your life, and that's what Paul is saying here. Take your whole life, And offer that to God. He says, as a living sacrifice. Now, there's the word that everybody gets hung up on. Sacrifice? You mean I'm going to have to give something up? Yeah. Yeah, you are. But that's what what it takes. And, And sometimes we think, when we think of sacrifice, we think of I lose something. If I sacrifice something, then I'm losing. But actually, what you're doing is you are gaining. And people do this all the time. You make a lot of sacrifices in your life, but you choose not to do certain things for something better. And when he's talking about sacrifice, he's saying not just, you know, give up your whole life. He's saying, no, exchange that life for a better kind of life. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, an athlete that, that wants to compete in the Olympics, they will make certain sacrifices. They will sacrifice some of their social life. They will sacrifice some of their diet and the things that they would love to eat, but they can't because they're in training. They will sacrifice their time. They will sacrifice a whole lot of things for the purpose of getting to compete on the world stage. So they will make the sacrifice for the sake of something even better. Husband or wife will make 
a sacrifice. Every married couple in this room knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) You make sacrifices. You sacrifice your autonomy. You sacrifice your selfishness. But you do that for the sake of an intimate relationship with someone like you would have with no one else. You give up certain things for something that's more, uh, more important, more preferable. And when he's talking about offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, he says, yes, you give up something, but what you're really doing is you are exchanging that for something better. You're exchanging this old way of life for a better way of living. You're you're exchanging life on accident for life with purpose. And even the word sacrifice, in that first part of it, that sacra, that's the same way as sacred. And the idea is that it's not that I lose something, it's that I give something up so that I can make myself available to God. And that's where you find your life purpose. And he says, this is your true and proper worship. Now, worship, that's another one of those churchy words. What does it mean? It has to do with where you place value, where you place worth. That's worth Ship. And the idea behind that is, again, that I decide this is preferable to this. This is where I put value. This is where I find worth. This is where I will give up this to make myself available to God because that is worth it to me. And that's the whole idea behind it. And that's when we talk about worship being a lifestyle. What we're saying is I'm exchanging my old life for a life with, that is available to God. A life, from, a life on accident to a life with purpose, following his purpose for my life. And he says, the reason I do this is in view of God's mercy. Why do I do that? Because God loves me. He made me. He loves me. He knows me better than I know myself. So it only makes sense that I would give up trying to do life on my own to do life following him. And that's one of our core values. Psalm 100, verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. He made us, and we belong to Him. I make myself available to Him. That's what it means to live to an audience of one. You are uniquely shaped for God's purposes. Ephesians 2.10 puts it this way, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's handiwork, not our own handiwork. We're God's handiwork. He is shaping us. He has gifted us. He has formed us. And he's continuing to do that to prepare us to do the work that he has called us to do. That's our purpose. Your purpose is going to be a part of God's bigger purpose in this world. And he prepared it in advance for you to do, for me to do. So it has to start with God. He made me. He knows me best. He loves me. My purpose is going to be found in his purpose. And once I do that, then I begin to develop a new perspective, a new way of looking at life in general, a new way of thinking about life, that that I look through a different set of lenses. Paul goes on, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, conformed has to do with being squeezed into a shape. That, that, that don't, don't be a conform. Don't just go along with everybody else doing life the way everybody else seems to be doing it and thinking that's, that's life. He says, don't, don't, don't live by this external pattern that you see everybody else going. But, but he says, 
Be changed, be transformed. Conformity has to do with outward appearance. Transformation comes from within. And he says the way that that happens is by changing the way that you think, by the renewing of your mind. Now, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to explore that in greater detail. So I'm just going to kind of hit on it lightly this morning. But the idea is this, that your mind has to do with your thoughts and your emotions and and, and your general way of looking at life. And actually, biologically, that's the case. If you took a cross-section of your brain, that outermost layer, the neocortex, that, is, um, that part of your brain is, is analytical. That's where the, your reason and rationale and, and analyze, analytical nature, that's where it comes from. It's that outer part. But the inner part of your brain is called the limbic system. And the limbic system is, a, is responsible for your feelings and your motivation um, it's, 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 it's where your decision-making comes from. Have you ever made a decision that it just, you know, it just, in my gut, it felt right? That's your limbic system. And, and he says, that's where the change has to happen. It happens from the inside out. It's not just changing your behavior. It's changing the way that you look at life. There's another churchy word for that. It's called Repent. <laughs> But the word repent literally means to change your mind or to change your way of thinking. Not in the sense that, well, I was going to go shopping at Rayleigh's, but I changed my mind and went to Trader Joe's. Okay? That's not the case. But it's, it's changing the way that I think in that it changes the direction of my life. That I was heading this way. I was living my life, kind of doing my own thing, figuring it out on my own, doing things that made me feel good and, and made me feel, you know, and all of those kinds of things. And then I got to a point and I realized, you know, life doesn't work very well when I'm in charge. And I changed my way of thinking in that it sent me back in God's direction. That's the word repent. Literally, it means to change your mind. Metanoia. And he says in verse 2, as it goes on, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's where you're going to find your purpose, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now he says, notice he says that, test and approve, which means this is going to kind of be a little bit of a trial and error. But he says, over time, as your way of thinking starts to change and it begins to affect your behaviors and your actions, what you're going to discover is this really is the best way to live. And that's living with purpose. And with that comes a greater intentionality. Ephesians 5.17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. When I change my way of thinking, what happens is it changes my decision-making process. It changes, um, and it, it changes my enthusiasm and passion about things. It's the thing that will sustain you. When you start living with purpose, that is the thing that will sustain you when you feel like giving up. I can't tell you how many times in my own life and ministry that, that that sense of God's call on my life, that sense of how he created me and the purpose that he gave me has carried me through some times when I just felt like I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, I can't handle this anymore. But no, this is what God shaped you to do. And it's that sense of purpose that is carried through. It helps you decide what's most important. It changes how you define success for your life. It helps you set different kinds of goals. That all happens by the renewing of your mind. Decide and understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do you do that? Well, the best source that we have is the Bible. It's Scripture. Read it. Study it. Learn from it. Memorize it. 
It, it will give you a new way of looking. That's why community groups are so important or, or becoming a part of one of our Northgate U classes. Get somewhere where, you're going to, where you are going to learn how to read and study scripture for yourself. And then do it because that will start to reshape the way that you look at life. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And there are so many resources available to us today. You don't have to own a Bible. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, there, there, there are apps. There's called the YouVersion app. And there are, uh, there's not only just the Bible on that app, but you can also listen to it in your car. There's an audible version of it. There are different devotional guides that you can go through a six-week or a five-day or whatever. There's all kinds of resources available to you. Northgate U, community groups, our Sunday morning gatherings. When God's word is explained and taught and understood, it changes the way that you think, and that's part of that transformation process. And once you put God in number one, and he's your audience of one, and you let him start to change the way that you think, now you're ready for that third part, which is honestly now assess your gifts and your abilities. And this is where most life coaches start. He says, no, you gotta do that other stuff first. Because once you get that squared away, Now you're ready to take a good, honest look at yourself. So Paul goes on, verse 3. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. That God has given to each of you a certain measure of faith. He's given to you certain abilities and talents and gifts. He's given to you certain passions. He has brought you through different experiences. And again, we're going to explore this a little bit more in detail further on in this series. But he says this starts with sober judgment, which means be realistic. And this is where other people can help you. And ask people, you know, what is it that you see in me that's helpful to you? Why, why, why am I your friend? <laughs> and let them tell you the qualities and the characteristics in you and what that impact it has on them. It's, it's, it's sober judgment. It's honest and realistic. If you think of yourself too highly, then pride sets in, sense of superiority and judgmentalism. But if you think too lowly of yourself, then you're going to have this inferiority complex and you're going to be discouraged and you're going to think, I, I don't have anything to offer. He said, no, just take an accurate assessment of who you are and how God made you. And one other warning, don't compare yourself with anybody else. Galatians 6, 4 says, everyone should look at himself and see how he does his own work. Then he can be happy in what he has done. Should not compare himself with his neighbor. Because sometimes we will compare ourselves with other people and they seem to be doing it better than we are and we'll say, well, I can't do that so I can't do anything. No, 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 don't compare Just look at yourself. And when you do, when you get an accurate picture of who you are and God's purpose in that for you, it will give you a greater sense of confidence about your life and about living with that sense of purpose. It will also connect you with other people of like mind. And in cooperation, you can do much more than you could do on your own. The God has uniquely shaped each and every one of us in this room. Every one of us. And he has a purpose and a design 
for you and he created you and shaped you and brought you through all the experiences that you've been through for the purpose that he has for you. And you can discover it and you can live that way. The gifts, the talents, the abilities, the experiences, the passion, the enthusiasm, all of those things are a part of how God shaped you. So he says, take an accurate assessment of all of that. Let me give you a couple of questions you might ask yourself just starting this week. You might want to write these down. Go home today or this week sometime. Think about some of the answers to some of these questions. First one is this. What things come most naturally to you? What are some things that just you can do without even thinking about it? It just comes naturally to you. Some of us are very mechanically inclined. You can, there's a car that's got problems. You can open the hood and you can identify the problem and fix it right away. The others of us in this room, we open the hood, we look at that and say, I have no idea, and slam it shut. (laughs) But some of you are gifted in that way. You just have a knack for those kinds of things. It might be something else. It might be musical talent. There's a number of different ways, but just ask yourself, what just comes naturally to me that I seem to be able to do with little effort at all? Another question you might ask yourself is, what are the things that I find the hardest to do? Because those are probably not your gifts and talents. (laughs) If there's something that you just, you work hard at it, you try real hard, but you just don't seem to be able to get it, it's probably not one of your gifts. Those are two questions to ask yourself. Here's another one. What experiences have I been through that have developed in me a deep sense of satisfaction? What have I done? What have I experienced that has, has felt just right for me? Or another one. Where have you done something that you really felt like you truly made a difference in that situation or for that person? Those are just some first questions to start asking yourself. It will help you identify some of those things. And then ask other people. That's where community comes in. That's where the church becomes so important. Those of you who uh, took part in the Global Leadership Summit last month, uh, we hosted it here um, by video. And uh, the, in the, if you haven't been a part of the Global Leadership Summit, let me just tell you, you have missed out. But one of the things that they did, they had about four different what they called grander vision living stories about people who just found their purpose and, and just started acting on it and what God did with it. And one of them was a, a lady named um, Liz Bohannon. Um, she was actually a recent university graduate, and God did something with her life and her gifts and her talents. I want you to watch the video. I had studied journalism, and throughout my time in university, I became more interested in social justice issues. And I was like, well, I know how I could do this. Ever heard of Nick Kristoff? Journalism plus social justice? Like, here we go. So it turns out when you're 22 and uh, you've never really traveled and you've never really had a real job in journalism, the New York Times is very less than interested in hiring you to travel around the globe and tell these stories. I actually had not the first clue about how the world worked, but the Lord had laid something on my heart. I felt this call, and so I decided to buy a one-way plane ticket to Uganda. connected to Cornerstone Leadership Academy, this incredible two-year college prep program for the brightest young women in the country. 
where they had come from and what they had overcome to just be sitting here at this high school just humbled and challenged me. These young women were facing this nine-month gap between high school and university. Back in the village, they faced the incredible amount of social pressure to get married, to start having kids, to not continue their educational path. And then also the reality of them not being able to find a job to pay for university. All of this energy to really become change makers and leaders in Uganda um, could really dissipate. All of a sudden, those massive social justice issues became 25 faces in a very specific problem. I knew that we needed to create jobs. One of my friends from back home actually suggested, what about those strappy, funky sandals that you made in college that everybody loved? So I went to the school and I hired three young women, Mary, Mercy, and Rebecca, and I showed them how to make these sandals. And I said, if you make these sandals for the next nine months, I promise that you'll go to university in the fall. A few months later, I headed back to the US and started selling sandals out of the back of my car. By the end of that summer, we had sold enough sandals to send Mary, Mercy, and Rebecca to university. Several years ago, we were three women in a patch of grass making sandals underneath a mango tree. And today we're the largest footwear producer in Uganda. What we're trying to do at Seiko is really hijack the traditional overseas manufacturing and production model and instead create space where women become more of who they were created to be. We provide them with not only a fair wage, but full comprehensive health insurance. And we launched the Seiko Fellows Program, which enables women in the United States to sell the product, to earn an income, and to create an impact with their work. Every dollar of Seiko product that a, a Seiko Fellow sells in the United States directly contributes to her soul sister's university scholarship back here. Last year, we were able to grant each of our university-bound women with a 400% scholarship towards college. And 100% of the women have continued on to university and are either currently in school or have graduated from college and are out in the marketplace pursuing their dreams. I am shocked at how many people go through life without having someone look them in the eye and say, you are awesome, you are bold, you are smart. My company will be better, my community will be better if you will be a part of it. It's really remarkable how transformative that can be for someone. When we first started Seiko, we had no background in business. We had no background in fashion. We had no background in manufacturing. But for me, I've actually realized that the Lord is so graciously inviting me into this story. My job is to just show up and say yes. Yeah. college student with a funky design for sandals and look what God's done if you think you can't make a difference in this world you're wrong when you discover your purpose it will involve two things the first is that it will be others focused because your life purpose is not about you it's about your contribution in this world that's how God has gifted you and shaped you it will be others focused and it will make a difference 
It will have an impact somewhere in somebody's life. Maybe in a large group, maybe just in a small group, maybe just one-on-one. But when you discover God's purpose for your life, His calling, your life purpose, it will change everything. Paul wrote to Timothy, be sure to use the gift God gave you. Think about all this. Work at it so everyone may see that you're growing. Would you bow your heads with me? For those of you on our Vallejo campus, um, your campus host is going to walk you through this next portion of our service. And for those of us here in the Benicia campus, here's my question. Who's in your grandstand? Who is your audience? Is it an audience of one? There's no greater thing than you could do with your one and only life than fulfill the purpose that God put you on this planet for. And maybe you're here today and, and you've known this stuff. You, it's, it's been in, you did this a long time ago, but in honesty, if you were really to take a look, you are more concerned with the what and the how than the why anymore. And that's why you've lost your passion. That's why you've lost the enthusiasm because you forgot why you do what you do. For some of us in this room, you've never really thought about this. It's really just been kind of, okay, one day at a time, whatever comes my way, that's what I'll do. Or for now, this is what I'll do and then I'll do something else. Don't waste your one and only life. And I'm just going to ask you today to just make a simple choice. Like Paul said, offer yourselves, your whole selves, It's a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to Him. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will discover God's will, God's purpose for your life. So today I'm going to ask you, if you've kind of lost your way, if you've kind of been caught up in the how and the what, forgotten the why, to just say, Lord, today coming back to why. God, I want to do what you want me to do with my life. And I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet. I'm going to hope to find out in the next couple of weeks. But just today, this is the path I'm choosing, changing the way that I think. If you're willing to make that commitment today, I'd like to close in prayer with you and for you. Would you just raise your hand? Hold it up for a moment. Look up, catch my eye, because I want to acknowledge you and let you know I'm praying with you, for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Maybe today it's a first step of faith. You have been living your life going your direction, leaving it all about you. And maybe you've kind of come to the realization this morning that that's not the way to live your life. And you got some stuff in your past that you know got to be taken care of. Today, you can take a first step of faith. You just turn in that direction and you say, God, I can't do this on my own. And I got enough faults and failures and sin in my life to prove that. I need your forgiveness. But would your grace and your mercy flow over me? Forgive me. I want to follow you. I'm changing the direction of my life starting today. And if you've never done that before, but today it's a first step of faith, same thing. And maybe you already rose your hand, raised your hand before, but just this is a first step for me. Would you do that? Raise your hand. Let me know. I'm going to pray with you. 
right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I'm just going to invite you in this simple prayer. Lord, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to make it all about me. You know me better than I know myself. You love me. You made me. And I want to fulfill what you have for my life. For some of us, it's a first step. For others, it's a renewal or just a commitment of a different way of living our lives. But all of us come to you saying, we can't do this on our own. And we got enough failure and fault and all of that in our background. We just need you to forgive us. We want to put our lives in your hands. We want to live with purpose, your purpose for our lives. Would you lead us in that way and show us that way as we follow you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You